Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. This is a journal episode from the car. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to you again about mantra recitation um, and how you uh, use it improperly and create an impenetrable wall of bullshit around your mind. Um, but I'm going to re recap a few things first. So the mind, as we talked about, um, is an event and not a thing. Uh, the mind does not have existence in the sense that it does not have an objective reality. It is not an object. You can show brain activity in the mind or in the brain rather, but you, you don't know what those thoughts are. You don't, you know, um, I can't project my memories or my thinking onto a screen for you to see. I can only tell you about them, which would mean that I'm using a cognitive faculty of the mind, which is language, to explain my thoughts to you. Um, the mind is the subconscious and the conscious mind. Uh, the subconscious is the more important. Uh, it serves as an operating system. It, uh, it, it gives you your experience of life. Um, and through a lot of different ways, some of them a little more mystical than others, uh, you develop an operating system based off experiences, and those experiences then create this belief, and now you have a world that you experience, right? A great Neville Goddard quote would be that your subconscious impressions create the conditions of your world, meaning that... If it is my subconscious impression, meaning that through certain events as a child, like me specifically, uh, you are abused and then you create, um, you know, you kind of, you, you create, you have these experiences and based on these experiences, you believe that the world is uh, made up of potential adversaries and potential threats. So everything is very threatening, everything is very scary and you operate out of a lot of fear, right? Um, that, that would mean that my, if my subconscious impression is the world, that the world is a scary, frightening place, then my, then the conditions of the world that I live in are of of a scared, frightening, spooky world. Um, now if that's the case, my conscious mind, which those are the thoughts that you're aware of, the thoughts that you, you know, when you say, Oh, I just thought about this, or I just thought about that. That is the conscious mind. Remember, the subconscious, you're not really always privy to. Um, But know this, your conscious mind will only think thoughts relative to the subconscious. So if I have a subconscious mind, an operating system that is wired for adversaries and threats, then my thoughts are not going to be that the world is a safe, lovely place and people are cool. It's not going to be that. And that's kind of, you know, once we begin observing the mind and watching the mind, that's one of the ways we start to realize what the subconscious is really giving us, right? We start to question our conscious, well, not question, we begin to notice our conscious mind. And then we can say, oh, well, you know, it's, um, clearly I'm wired for adversaries and threats. I have all these thoughts about how horrible the world is. And so that's the mind. The mind is giving you your experience. And it is all very subjective. The problem is, is we try to apply an objective reality to a subjective experience. 
You know, like beliefs, for instance. I believe that the world is this way. I believe this policy is correct and this policy is incorrect and yada, yada, yada. The worst part about that is that I believe it and I need you to believe it as well. Because if you don't believe it, then that's an indictment on my beliefs. That's crazy. And Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four, uh, I'm sorry, The Four Noble Truth, The Four Agreements, the second one is don't take things personally. What people say and do has very little to do with you. Um, so the mind does not exist. It is an event, not a, uh, not a thing, not an object. Um, it is consisting of the subconscious and the conscious mind. The subconscious is your operating system. It is how you view the world. It's why you pick what you pick and believe what you believe. And then the conscious mind are the thoughts that you are aware of, that you can see, that you can notice. Uh, and the most important thing to understand about this, the conscious mind is that its main features are imagination and fantasy. And it uses imagination and fantasy to elaborate on how the body feels. So the subconscious picks up on some sort of stimuli, sends a signal into the body, the body tightens up, the body feels something, the conscious mind steps in and goes, oh, this is a good feeling or a bad feeling and I feel this way because of X, Y, Z. And I begin ruminating or the mind begins ruminating on those things, those stories, the next thing you know, it gets tighter and tighter. And that's how you end up going from sadness into anger and resentment. Okay. So that's the mind. Now, meditation is a way of creating space within the mind space to, uh, begin changing the way you think begin, um, inserting new ideas, new thoughts about things, right? Um, it is essentially dual attention stimulus, which is a technique that I use in rapid resolution therapy when working with trauma. So, you know, your attention goes up into the mind cloud that drifts above your head. And if you imagine your fingertip is your attention, it plugs into that and then sends a signal down into the body telling you how to feel about it, right? Because the mind uh, reminds the body how to feel. The mind reminds the body how to feel. It reminds the body how to feel through a series of symbols. The mind makes everything a symbol. And since nothing has intrinsic value, the mind, based on its beliefs and its needs and all this shit, it applies a meaning to those symbols. The mind is a meaning making is a, I'm sorry, a pattern oriented meaning making machine. Think of it that way, pattern oriented because, and the thing about these patterns is that, uh, whether they're good pattern or bad pattern, the subconscious doesn't care. Another great Neville Goddard quote is that the subconscious mind does not care about the truth or falsity of your feeling. It accepts as true that which you feel to be true. Now we can swap out the words feeling for perception. Perception means a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting something. So you could say the, uh, the subconscious mind does not care about the truth or falsity of your perception. It accepts as true that which you perceive to be true. So um, that being the case, you can tell it anything. You can train it to do anything. But you have to begin creating space in order to do that. And meditation is a way that we do that. Um, so every time 
the attention goes up into the cloud and then the body feels a kind of way during the meditative practice, you would notice the mind, then notice your breath. Come out of the mind and down into the body, down into the breath. Why the breath? Because the breath is actual and it is happening now. The mind is not actual and the mind is not happening now. Okay, so when I'm doing trauma work with people and I do the dual attention stimulus thing where I ask somebody, do they give a shit about my phone, have them pull up the trauma, and I do that over and over again, it sounds crazy to you, but what's happening is the mind uh, is sandwiching the way it feels about the phone and the way it feels about the trauma together. And since the mind wants to survive and thrive, then it accepts the way that it feels about the phone and it applies that to the memory. Well, when we do meditation, we are doing that with, instead of a specific memory, we're doing it with the mind itself. So back to this pattern-oriented meaning-making machine. Even if the pattern is perceivably bad to you, the mind will continue to look for that pattern to be true. And a pattern, the reason it does that is because a pattern is consistent and consistency is predictable and predictability is safety. The subconscious is not deciding whether it's good or bad. Do you understand? It's just saying, yep, this is the pattern. This is what we do. So that leads me to mantra recitation. What mantra means in Sanskrit is mind tool or mind protection. I like the term mind protection because it's more accurate to what it's doing. Um, You could think of it like this. Um, So uh, if I'm chanting the Maha Mantra, the holy names of God, uh, what I found as, you know, in those years where I was very devoted to the Hare Krishna movement, uh, I began thinking of God a lot. The more, I, the more I chanted, the more I thought about God. Um, the more I saw Krishna in things, the more I applied Krishna to my day-to-day stuff. Uh, fast forward eons later, I'm in a Buddhist sangha with Lama Losang, and I say, why do we say it this many times and that many times? Well, you know, he didn't give me some cockamamie bullshit about a, a yogi supposed to take 108 breaths or how many fucking angels. I don't know. What he said was that this is how long it takes you to remember. That is very interesting. This is how long it takes you to remember. So you repeat things over and over and over again so that the mind begins to say, yes, this is how it is, this is how it is, this is how it is. So if you think about uh, the Chinreze mantra, O Mane Padme Hom, that mantra of compassion and that practice of cultivating compassion, what you're doing is you're uh, protecting the mind against anything that is not compassionate. Uh, with the Maha Mantra, you're, com- you're, you know, you are protecting the mind against anything that's not Krishna. You see, so it's this is the mind protection piece of this that I think is so interesting. You know, um, so your folk and what's really wild is you think of something like passage meditation, which is the same thing where you know the intention of the mantra or the passage and you, you recite it over and over and over and over again until the, uh, the, 
you're no longer with what you're saying, you're more with the intention of the mantra, which means that, um, you know, it just becomes a sound and then you're left with the intention of that sound, which is really kind of beautiful. So the impenetrable wall of bullshit. Let's think about this. Mantra recitation is repetition. You guys, myself included, have uh, bad mantras as well. We describe the world a certain way repeatedly until that's what the mind looks for. The mind finds what it's looking for. So we say the world is a horrible place. The world is a trash fire. This is happening. That's happening. It's, it's in it, it means this and it means that. And then that's just it. And then your brain is incapable of perceiving anything else. It just looks for that to be true. Your subconscious impressions create the conditions of your world. You have recited that mantra so many times that you think it's real. Over and over and over. People are no good. The world is a scary, dangerous place. Yada, yada, yada. And you just say it over and over again. So the mind sees everything as a pattern of potentiality. It looks for opportunities to make these things real. Pattern-oriented, meaning-making machine, and it needs those meanings to be the same every time. So it looks for them to be true. It perceives things a certain way in order to make this fact, or not fact, but this phenomena true. This is really interesting to me because we all repeat some pretty bad stuff about ourselves, about the world, about other people over and over and over again until nothing else can get through. You have this impenetrable wall of bullshit where you are just constantly, you know, saying the same old shitty thing until that's all you you can think of or say. There's your mantra. You know, my dad's was that people are no damn good. People are no damn good. People are no damn good. The man had more friends he knew what to do with. You know, um, I don't know what people he was talking about. Certainly wasn't anybody close to him. But um, this is the mantra. You, you recite a perception of things until that's just all you have. Now, think about this. You can sit here and tell me how hard it is to... Uh, but think about this, right? Imagination has to play a role in this. If you can't imagine what it would be like, what it would feel like, um, how your life would be, then how can your mind look for opportunities to make that true? It's just looking for the opposite. So if you were to say, think about this, this is hard but I can do it. This is hard, but I can do it. This is hard, but I can do it. This is hard, is it? Well, thanks to negativity bias or the negativity effect, your mind latches onto that. And that negativity effect or bias is that in the human mind, negative information will always outweigh positive or neutral information. And it has to. From an evolutionary place, it has to weigh more. So when you say, this is hard, but I can do it, that's not good. Okay, so let's get rid of the this is hard part. 
I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Do what? It's not done yet? See what I'm saying? It's also, you have to speak in a present tense positive way. There's a great Neville Goddard quote. I will be is a confession that I'm not. I will be is a confession that I'm not. Meaning that um, when I say I'm going to be something or do something, that means I haven't done it yet. Well, the mind works on a delay. So what are you going to do? You know, are you going to keep pushing this out into the future? Right? It's like to pray for guidance. Motherfucker, you know what to do. You might not want to do it. And not doing it beats the shit out of doing it. But you know what you got to do. The guidance isn't going to get louder. A hand, the hand of God isn't going to come down like a Monty Python cartoon and slap you back into place. You know what to do. And you leapfrogged it and did your own thing anyway. Or you took the more comfortable, easier route. Right? Like you found the comfort and went with it. You know, because you deserved it. You know, self-care, you know, all that kind of shit. And then, you know, didn't work out. So, I can... This is hard, but I can do it. So we're going to have to change it to it's done. This is how it is. Because the mind has to catch up. And as long as you keep pushing the goal, like, wow, farther, out farther. And yeah. Uh, there's another, I believe it's in the Satanic Bible. Uh, um, prayer is no replacement for action. You got to do something. You can't just sit here and pray. Do something. Get up. Um, so you keep repeating the same ideas and the same points of view till that's all there is. It's all you see. It's all you can, you know, comprehend. And then someone sees it a different way and you just look at them like, this fucking idiot. You know? So that's the mantra recitation. That's, you know. So, um... An exercise that I would like to mention, something I've mentioned before, uh, and I believe uh, I may have talked about this on the Chaos Magic episode, but create your own mantra. You know, all these ancient mantras are great, but you can create your own. But it has to be present tense, like it's now, this is how it is now, and positive. I am. Not I will be, I am. This is how it is, right? Um, But what you're going to do is you're going to get a journal. And this journal, understand this journal is very important because everything that you write in this journal is true. Everything that you write in that journal is true. Remember that. Everything in the journal is true. Be careful what you write in this journal. And another thing, the pen that you're only going to use in that journal, that pen only writes the truth. It only writes the truth. So you better be fucking careful. Don't get sloppy. It only writes the truth. So what you're going to do is these present tense positive statements, you're going to write, you're going to fill up one page of that journal top to bottom. At the least. 
don't start it, say your hand got tired, you got bored, fucked around your phone, took a phone call. No, you are just doing this and you are going to write your present tense positive statement, your mantra slowly, mindfully, write it as if you are, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're writing it into your mind. You know what I mean? You are making this thing true just like that. Like you're actually writing on your mind. Um, take it seriously. And if you want to do more pages, do more pages. It's fine. You know, do as many pages as you want, but, um, you know, don't do a half a page, finish the page. You know what I mean? Um, and once you do that, get your mala, a mala string, whether it's a 27 hand mala or 108 full, whatever, walk, chant, spend time with this thing. And this isn't like a daily affirmation thing, right? You need, these things need to be the intention for your entire life in this body. What is your intention? What kind of life, what kind of, how, what kind of character do you want to have? Like what kind of characteristics do you want to have? Things like that. This is your entire intention for this life. Create a new impenetrable wall, but this one's not going to be made of bullshit. Right? And, you know, a japa, walking, meaning to walk and chant softly is, is great. Or I'm sorry, just to chant softly, but to walk and do it is fantastic. To walk slowly and do it is really great because it's slow BLS or bilateral stimulation. And that is, you know, something that we use in my world to insert new memories or more positive things. Um, so that's important. Um, but yeah, it make these mantras are for your life. I, I have six or seven that every day, but what I do now, um, I've chanted them, you know, so many times and written them so many times. I have a new little thing that I do. And what I do is I do each one three times, uh, to represent the triune nature of a human as, uh, Helena Petrova Blavatsky would say, or as a theosophist would, uh, would tell you. You know, that heaven, earth, and hell are all within you. Uh, it's that great Joseph Campbell uh, quote about uh, the, the heavens and the hells are all within you or something like that. But uh, what I do is I recite the first one and I imagine light shooting out like a crown, like all, like a hat, all directions from my head that represents heaven. I'm speaking this into truth in heaven. I say it a second time and it comes out of my chest and goes in a ring around me and blasts everywhere on earth. That is the material world. And then I say it again and I think of my lower half, my pelvis, and another ring of light for my lower nature. And you need this to be true in every world. Heaven, earth, and hell. Hell is just as much a part of you as heaven. And it's all necessary. None of it is garbage. It's all very necessary. You need hell as much as you need heaven. And some might say that hell is grace. And that's a whole other episode. But um, this is just a, a method I use. Uh, you obviously don't have to. Uh, but using your beads or your mala string in a journal is a, it's a good practice. 
Um, and I wouldn't be sharing this with you if it hadn't worked for so many other people besides me. A lot of times things are just good for me and I don't really share them, but when I hear that this is working for the people I share, especially clients at work. Um, so we covered, again, we rehashed what the mind is, the subconscious, the conscious mind, how meditation would benefit that. Um, and then we got into the mantra recitation. Uh, and understand that, you know, about real, just real back to quick, back to meditation. Um, you know, it's these thoughts arise out of nowhere, right? A thought is the result of a neural process. Something happens and then you think a thought. And it's not that you think the same exact things all the time. It's that you think the same ways every time. So that's what we're competing with when it comes to using meditation to create space to then think differently about something and that's what we're doing when we're enacting this mantra recitation bringing this into our life and inserting new ideas about how it is and who you are um anyway i hope this was helpful uh if you want to continue to support the infinite spark of being through purchasing books or t-shirts or prints or patreon or whatever it is Go to theinfinitesparkofbean.com, uh, follow on Instagram, things like that. Uh, if you have any ideas, again, uh, for Patreon tiers, we got a few ideas cooking up. Some people have given me as far as maybe a monthly meeting, a monthly group uh, sort of thing that I would facilitate through uh, Zoom or Skype or I don't know, one of those things. Anyway, I hope this was helpful. Um, I hope it made sense and I hope you got something out of it. Uh, we know each other. We've known each other for a long time. A lot of you guys reach out. We talk. If you have questions, please reach out. We are the oldest friends. I love you. Paul.